Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB 1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast. It's officially March, as John Rothstein would say. By the way, uh, he has uh, applied for the copyright or the trademark or whatever it is for the phrase, this is March. That's a very Rothstein move. But uh, welcome everybody to another episode here. We are uh, middle of March. It's uh, NCAA tournament time. Providence made a big run last week in the Big East tournament. Three overtime games. The Cardiac Coolies took... Uh, Took Creighton to overtime and beat him. Took Xavier to overtime and beat him. And took Villanova to overtime and fell a little short. Probably needed to win it on that last possession in regulation with the game 60-60. But uh, great effort and certainly has cemented their position in the NCAA tournament as what should have been a 9 seed. They're scrubbed down to the 10 seed. I can talk about that a little more later, but... 10 seed playing 7th seeded Texas A&M out of the SEC. That game will tip off Friday at 12.15 Eastern Time on CBS. For about 25 minutes on Friday, Providence-Texas A&M will be the only NCAA tournament game on television. And they got the A crew with uh, Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, and Tracy Wolfson. So that'll be an interesting, uh, interesting and dynamic Friday afternoon. Friar fans will know pretty early whether or not they should maybe try to get down to Charlotte for a Sunday matchup with probably North Carolina, who is the two seed in the uh, in the pod there playing Lipscomb. But Providence now in their uh, extending their school record fifth straight NCAA tournament. Uh, the previous record was three, so they uh, they they tackled that one last season and now are extending to a fifth. Ed Cooley is now tied for the most NCAA tournament appearances by a Providence head coach in school history at five with the legendary Dave Gavitt. Uh, obviously mentioned they're they're in on a big run here in the Big East tournament. Uh, a little bit unexpected as the five seed going to the final, playing against Villanova for the rubber game after they split the season series in the home and home. Uh, a little bit about the what I mentioned earlier about Providence being scrubbed. It's a it's uh, that's a technical term. They were scrubbed from the 9 seed to the 10 seed because Villanova and Xavier were both given 1 seeds, which means that because Providence has played both of those teams three times, the selection committee has bracketing procedures that require teams that have played three or more times in the, in, during the regular season or conference tournament to not face each other until the regional final, which is the Elite Eight, which means that as one seeds, Villanova and Xavier couldn't play Providence in the 8-9 game in the round of 32. Um, so Providence was the 35th team on the 1-68 through 68 seed list, which should have been a 9. Again, they're moved to a 10, and they're playing uh, Texas A&M, I believe, was the highest-rated 7 seed. So interesting matchup there. Butler uh, also was scrubbed from a 9 to a 10. Uh, Seton Hall in the tournament as a 7. And as I mentioned, you have uh, Villanova and Xavier as one seeds. Villanova in the East region, the one seed there, and Xavier actually in uh, in the West bracket with Providence. Creighton fans and Providence fans get together in Charlotte this week. Different different regions, but they're both playing in Charlotte. 
So that'll be a little, a little extra Big East uh, juice. Ed Cooley and Greg McDermott, great friends. So I'm sure that'll be nice for the two of them to have each other to uh, to, to bounce ideas off of or maybe just have a beer. We'll see how the weekend goes. Providence, fifth straight tournament, playing Texas A&M out of the SEC, as I mentioned. Uh, put up a post earlier in the week. Three things to know about Texas A&M. Um, really, the key things are that they uh, kind of were, I mean, they were a top five team. I, I wrote that um, in December, heading into SEC play at 11-1 in the non-conference. Had some good non-conference wins. West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Penn State. Um, the only loss was to Arizona, who, um, and that was I think it was a, a semi-neutral game. It was played in Phoenix on a neutral court, so pro pro Arizona crowd. It was a, in early December, um, so that was their only loss. But then they started SEC play 0 and 5. So so they have some very good players. They started 11 and 1 and were ranked in the top five. Kind of reminiscent, if you think about it, to the Providence team with Chris Dunn. When they were in the top top, I think they were in the top ten. Maybe got down to eight one year in that polls, and that was the year they ended up as a six, going to Columbus in 2015 and lost to Dayton, who had beaten, uh, who had won a, a first four game on their home court and traveled up to Columbus for essentially a home game. But we don't need to uh, give anybody nightmares or trigger anybody here with that disaster. Even though I drove all the way to Columbus, I had to drive all the way home. But anyway, moving along. Uh, so Providence. Uh, and Texas A&M have never played each other in the illustrious history of both programs. Uh, but Texas A&M is down a, uh, a point guard. They had brought in Marquette uh, grad transfer Dwayne Wilson, who had started pretty strong at Marquette and then uh, kind of lost his starting job uh, last year and, and opted to use his final year of eligibility elsewhere. And was having a pretty good year, had started the first 13 games and uh, then suffered a knee injury in the SEC opener against Alabama, which was a, a pretty lopsided loss, I believe. Um, Wilson would miss a few games, come back, play nine more games with three of those being starts, and then he kind of, it was just a re-injury of the, of the knee. He uh, put up an Instagram post announcing his career was over about a month ago, so uh, unfortunate way to go out for him, but uh, what was, at coming into the season, a pretty big uh, depth area for Billy Kennedy's team was point guard in that they had Wilson, who's a grad transfer, had played a lot of games in his career in college. J.J. Caldwell, who was a top 70 recruit, I want to say, maybe top 50, certainly top 100. Last year, or two years ago, he had to sit out last year uh, academic non-qualifier. So he was a redshirt freshman who was supposed to see a lot of minutes alongside and behind Wilson. Uh, but ultimately had a number of suspensions and was, and was kicked off the team. So he, he did play a bit this year, but uh, I think he missed the first four or five games from suspension, came back, and then eventually was um, kicked off the team. They had The Aggies have had some, some issues with discipline. They've had a few guys, including their now starting point guard, T.J. Starks, a freshman, um, suspended. D.J. Hogue, I think, was suspended. They've, they've had a few suspensions throughout the year, but – Wilson going down has hurt them. <clears throat> T.J. Starks, as I mentioned, runs the point guard now. He's a freshman, really more of a, a, a scoring guard than a point guard. Um, he actually, uh, when you look at them from an analytical perspective, is one of their worst offensive players. 
uh, players against, uh, you know, points against median. He's their their very worst player. Uh, where they really thrive is on the inside. They got Tyler Davis, who is uh, about 6'11", 260, and he's down 30 or 40 pounds since he got to College Station a few years ago. So they are uh, they're they're really all about getting the ball inside and scoring the ball inside. And if they can't score right away, grabbing an offensive rebound and scoring. And Robert Williams is another guy. He's a sophomore. Thought of maybe as a one-and-done return to school. He's had a f- pretty good year, but not certainly uh, uh, all-American type numbers. But he's he's mostly dangerous uh, around the rim on, on dunks and offensive rebounds and that lead to dunks. Um, so Davis and Williams inside are uh, two big boys, both 6'10", 6'11". So uh, that's going to be something Providence is going to have to focus on. And uh, you may have seen on Twitter, uh, Brendan McGare, Kevin McNamara, some of the guys who were over at the Alumni Hall this week on Monday for Providence's practice before they headed out on Wednesday afternoon uh, down to Charlotte. The All over Alumni Hall were plastered signs that just said block out because it's clear that, they, uh, that they're going to emphasize, the coaching staff's going to be emphasizing rebounding and especially if because uh, Texas A&M not a good shooting team, especially if Cooley decides to mix in some zone, which is certainly a possibility. Uh, rebounding out of zone is always a little bit more difficult than in man, so it'll be imp- imperative that somebody you know is in your area. You got to go block block him out uh, and, and prevent him from getting a dunk, which is really what is. If you look at Robert Williams, he just all he does is dunk the ball. Um, and Tyler Davis has a little bit more of a, uh, a game on the block, and they do run the offense through him quite a bit. But um, offensive rebounds will be obviously a big key to this game. Um, the other thing that Providence is going to have to uh, deal with is that Texas A&M is the 12th best adjusted defensive efficiency in the country per Ken Palm. They really don't turn people over. Um, actually, they're pretty bad at turning people over. But they force you to play. Um, they force you to take tough shots, and they do block a lot of attempts. Fifteen uh, percent of attempts, eleventh in the country in that in that regard. And they're pretty good. They're not. They're not. Uh, you know, they're just above av- a little bit above average at uh, allowing offensive rebounds. But when you can force people to take tough twos and block a lot of shots around the rim, you don't really necessarily uh, have to worry about offensive rebounds as much. Um, but they are vulnerable against teams that make threes. And Providence obviously has fallen off a cliff with that. Jalen Lindsay has, has been – he was 0-6, I think, in the Big East final against Villanova. Um, but if, if Providence could ever figure out a way to get uh, get some open looks and, and make a few threes, it could force Texas A&M to um, get a little more uncomfortable on the defensive end Billy Kennedy was on some radio shows this week and mentioned that he he expects to probably have to mix in a little more zone than they normally would. A great way for Providence to get them out of that zone would be uh, make some threes. And there's been a lot of talk this week about um, Texas A&M has has a lot of size, Providence not as much. And so will Cooley try to match the size and go with Watson and Young a little bit more, maybe even together as something that Brendan has written about uh, Earlier in the year, it might have been a possibility. It happened a little bit in the preseason in that game against UConn at Mohegan Sun, but really hasn't happened at all, uh, certainly not in, in Big East play. But Watson obviously had a great tournament in the Big East tournament. Young played better coming off a, a ankle tweak in the final game against St. John's of the regular season. 
played better, played pretty good defense. Um, but Watson really kind of had a coming out party in that semifinals game against uh, Xavier in the post, um, kind of just unstoppable for, for stretches. But um, I, I tend to think that Cooley will probably go more along the lines and, and maybe he'll try a little bit of, of the bigger, the beefier approach earlier in the game, see how it goes. But I tend to think that what he's been doing after he did made the, after they made the decision that neither one of their big guys are really ready for that kind of a uh, game on game by game, no matter what the lineup is, throw him in there and, and let him roll type of approach, especially on the defensive end. Um, he's, he just rolled with the smaller lineup with Bullock at the five I think it, it, certainly down the stretch, if it's a close game and Providence is uh, playing pretty well defensively and Texas A&M's not damaging them too much inside, I think you'll see probably the smaller lineup for a longer majority of the time. And that probably means they have to play more zone than uh, they might be comfortable with. But A&M, not a good shooting team. Um, so I don't think you have to really worry about them there. Um, they really were. Uh, they really struggled shooting the three. They don't make free throws well. So really, they're they're just looking to get in transition and dump the ball inside when they're in the half court. So if Providence can do a good job with their smaller lineup, whether it's zone or if they can finagle away, double the, maybe double the post with good rotation, whatever they decide to do, I would expect that they'll roll with the small lineup because I think they're going to have a huge advantage on the offensive end, which uh, I think will be more important because. Providence has been able to play gritty defense with the small lineup, but they have been they you know scoring has been more of their struggle this year. Defense has been more consistent, so I think you'll see a little bit more of the smaller lineup. You might get Watson if he gets in there and gets hot, and maybe Davis gets in foul trouble. I mean, they do bring six nine guy off the bench, Tony Trocha Morales, who was a guy that Providence was recruiting about four hundred years ago uh, out of Columbia. But the other guy that you have to Providence fans have to worry about, Admon Gilder, who is their shooting guard, had a little bit of a knee issue during the SEC season, uh, but seems to be pretty healthy now. He and DJ Hogue are their best shooters. Uh, Gilder probably a better shooter. Hogue um, can be better. He's more streaky. Uh, six foot nine wing player. Gilder six four, plays the two. Billy Kennedy indicated he expects that Gilder will guard Alpha Diallo, which I thought was interesting um, because Kennedy specifically mentioned that they like to Providence likes to put Diallo in the post against smaller players. Guess who's a smaller player? Is Gilder? He's six four. Diallo six seven. Has about three four inches and maybe twenty pounds on on Gilder. But so that'd be interesting. Um, uh, but beyond that, really, uh, Providence not going to have to deal with too too much um, off the bench. For Texas A&M, they got you know you got to worry about Davis inside, Williams inside, especially crashing crashing the offensive glass. You have to worry about Starks getting ahead of steam in transition. I really think that Cartwright and the Cartwright Starks point guard matchup is a massive favor uh, for Providence there, freshman versus senior. But also Starks is a little bit of a volume shooter, uh, but really is not that good of a shooter. So. If Providence can force that the action away from it out of the post and make Starks take jump shots, that'll be an advantage for Providence as long as they can clean the glass, as I mentioned now a few times. But I think it's going to be um, probably one of the largest keys to the entire to the entire game advancing. Uh, in terms of advancing, another another article out this week on PCBB1917.com. 
I take a look at the uh, the numbers behind the seven ten game. I, I, I we were talking last week with some people at the Big East tournament that uh, kind of just the, the hope the going into the week the hope obviously was Providence could win a game they would cement themselves in the NCAA tournament um, probably as an eleven maybe as a ten. Then they go on a little run. And now we're talking Friday night. And now we're talking Saturday. And we're saying, well, you know, th- this this could be an eight or a nine seed now. And I think we were all kind of in agreement. You really want to avoid that eight nine game. The numbers really bear it out. Um, and frankly, I think the nines beat the eights slightly more. I'd have to go back and look again. But um, the the real issue with the eight nine game is something that Providence has run into before because they've been in the eight nine games. You win the game, and then you get a one seed in the round of 32. So it's really hard to get to a Sweet 16 as an 8-9. Um, the number is actually slightly more in favor of a 7-10 advancing than an 8-9 advancing to the Sweet 16. Uh, 10 seeds have beaten the 7 seed 39.1% of the time, which is 61 times in 156 attempts. Um, of, this, of the 61 10 seeds that did go on to face uh, either the 2 or the 15 in the round of 32, 27 of the 61 went on to the Sweet 16. Five of those were able to beat the 15 after the 15 upset the 2 in the first round. But the other, uh, the remaining 22 teams out of the 61 advanced, 10 seeds that advanced, were uh, beating the 2. And the 2, I, as I mentioned earlier, North Carolina, uh, North Carolina is playing in Charlotte, which, uh, you know, seems to happen every year, either Duke or North Carolina playing a game in the NCAA tournament in North Carolina, whether it's Charlotte or Raleigh, which Providence played uh, in Raleigh. They played uh, UNC a couple years ago. Providence has won five times in the NCAA tournament when they were the worst seed, the higher seed, the lower seed, or you know, however you look at it, the worst seed. They have five wins in those situations, which you deem an upset. Um, the last tournament run that Providence made uh, in 1997, which went to the lead eight, they were a 10 seed. Uh, the best finish by a 10 seed was 2016 when Syracuse made the final four. No 10 seed has ever won the NCAA tournament. In terms of how the uh, the betting public is viewing this matchup, uh, Texas A&M opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite after the brackets were announced on Sunday night. The line has held pretty steady there, went up to four shortly for a few minutes, and then went back down to three and a half for a while. Right now, as I'm recording this on Wednesday evening, Providence is a three-point underdog um, with shorter juice, so that that's probably going to move. Um, the total is sitting at 138, um, so uh, somewhat low-scoring total uh, and a pretty tight game within one possession on a neutral court. So that's uh, that's in, you know and and in terms of the two teams um, how they've done against the spread this season, neither one very good. Uh, both kind of similarly just under 500. Providence this year, 14 and 18 against the spread. Texas A&M, 13 to 16. In terms of the over under, Providence um, is 16 to 16 with games going over 16 of the 32 times. Texas A&M, 15 to 14. So very similar profiles from a betting perspective both teams in terms of the spread and the total. Providence is a pretty heavy public favorite right now in terms of where the money's going. Uh, over 80% of the spread bets and the spread money is on the Friars. Uh, most people taking the under so far in terms of the over-under. 
And the money line is, uh, most of the money on the money line is on Texas A&M. My guess is a lot of that is in, in parlays probably uh, as a short favorite. Looking at the odds to win the whole thing, uh, as I mentioned, Tennessee has never won the NCAA tournament before. But uh, Providence is 550 to 1 to win the national championship. The implied probability based on that 550 to 1 is a 1.8% chance. Uh, if you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm puts Providence's chances at 0.02%. So you're telling me there's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it really, at this point, um, looking from a more big picture philosophical approach, uh, Providence has now been in five NCAA tournaments, which, again, never happened. Ed Cooley only has one win, though, in the, in those four appearances previously. So uh, that's sort of the next step for this program. And But frankly, just looking at things and in terms of expectations for this team, I think looking uh, back in, in the November when the season started and it was clear that Emin Holt was not going to be playing at all, um, the senior group has been pretty inconsistent from then until now. Obviously, turning it on, making a little run uh, last week in MSG has everybody feeling good, but I think it's important to remember, too, that games in the Big East tournament, those are teams that have played each other a lot. That's the third time for all those teams that they're playing each other that season. And uh, all three of the teams Providence played have had the same coach for the whole time that Cooley's been uh, in this current situation with the last five years with Xavier being in the league. Um, so they know that they know each other so well and the scouting is, is just so, so coolly going and making all those wrinkles, putting in Malik White in the starting lineup, going with Watson, doing all kinds of different things was a little more effective maybe than it would be against a Texas A&M who have never played Providence and most of their players didn't even know what state Providence was in. That's actually a fact. You can go back and look. Sunday night after they found out they are playing Providence. No one knew anything about them. They didn't know their mascot, which creepiest again. You're seeing all the articles. Uh, shout out to Kirsten Fleming in the New York Post writing a nice uh, historical piece, I would, I would call it, about the friar. So just my point here is that I think it's important to try to take a step back from the performance at Madison Square Garden. And from on the one angle, you can look at it and say, well, that's – they, they certainly found some grit, and that's that's tournament play, so they can learn from that because obviously this is a one-and-done tournament now that they're in. On the other hand, uh, I think you have to be careful about assuming that the effort and the, the way that they played is going to necessarily carry forward against an opponent that they've never played before. And frankly, uh, Providence has not played anyone close to the team physically that Texas A&M has with their size. Um, this year. So important to kind of manage expectations in terms of the f- not getting too high, not allowing your recency bias to look at what they did at Madison Square Garden and automatically assume they're going to the Final Four. But also I think you can feel good about the fact that the seniors stepped up. Bullock played very well. Cartwright played great. Um, made some huge shots down uh, down when, when it was in crunch time of all three games. Uh, Nate Watson stepped up. Micaiah and Langford stepped up. So those are all positives, and, and that's certainly something to to look forward to. But just make sure that you're not falling in love with the fact that Providence is going to be playing in San Antonio this year like a lot of the national media is doing. And part of that is Ed Cooley. I mean, he is just – his personality is, is larger than life. The whole pants-splitting thing at the Garden has turned into a national story. 
Um, the amount of times I've heard about it from people, random people who find out I, I went to Providence and they say, oh, the, the, you know, the coach who split his pants. Well, yeah, he is. But he also is the coach who now has taken him to five straight tournaments. He's great on TV. He's great on the radio. He's a great ambassador for the school. Uh, he, his personality is is as, is as good or better than his coaching. And um, so, you know, Providence is a little bit of a, of a, a popular pick as a 10 seed to make a little bit of a run this year, um, which personally makes me nervous. That's usually as, as a, as a, as someone who has followed this team, it hasn't, it really hasn't been the case as much, but I, you know, looking back at my time at Providence with the last year of Tim Welsh and then the, my last three years were the three years of Keno Davis. You're always kind of looking for, uh, that moment when the other shoe drops and hits you in the face, whether it's, uh, you know, someone, doesn't qualify, recruit doesn't qualify, someone got in a fight at a bar and they're suspended, someone broke a bone or whatever. And um, Obviously a little bit of that with Holt this year, but the fact that they still won 20 more games for the fifth straight year, they won 10 games in the Big East, they almost won their third Big East tournament championship after three overtime games at the Garden, and now they're in their fifth straight NCAA tournament. So I'm not saying if they lose, it'll be fine, but... At some point, they have to make a little bit of noise. That's clear. But the best way to do that is to stop being a 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 seed. Um, and obviously, they have a good class coming in next year. But again, they're freshmen next year. So you really can't look too closely at what they're going to do for the team next year. Emmett Holt coming back, hopefully. Uh, he... Um, not with the team at the Garden, but um, everything sounds like he's he's improving a little bit. He's been back with the team since January. Put on a little bit of the weight that he lost. Uh, but Providence next year is going to be, I don't know, could be could be another, you know, 7 to 10 seed type team or maybe an NIT team. It's hard to say at this point. But uh, my only point is that it's it's important to take a step back, realize that five straight tournaments is a great accomplishment. And it's also still fair to say that they have one win in the in the previous four, and so something has to give. They need to get to a Sweet 16 at some point. Uh, I don't know that this is the year, but the team has been playing with a lot of grit and a lot of determination. These seniors clearly want to uh, make a little bit of an impression here and go out with a bang. Uh, certainly Cartwright has been playing great. Lindsey has not been shooting well, but he's been playing pretty good on defense. It would be it would be very nice to see him get out and hit a couple shots on Friday afternoon, and and one other interesting thing for Friday afternoon it's a twelve fifteen tip Eastern time. It's early for everybody, especially for me. I'm flying in six thirty in the morning Friday, but Texas A and M is a on the Central time, so that's even an hour earlier for them. Plus you have the disaster that was daylight savings time uh, Saturday. Late Saturday night into Sunday morning, losing that hour from two to three. Not saying I was awake or at a bar or anything in New York City, but it may have happened. And you know, so people are still recovering from that. Texas A&M is losing an hour on the travel, um, but but it's going to be, I think, a great a great window of time on Friday afternoon in that early twelve fifteen to twelve forty before the next game starts, where you get Jim Nance, you get Bill Raftery, Grant Hill, Tracy Wilson on CBS. The main CBS, Channel 2 in New York, it's broadcast television, uh, where you're going to get just Providence College and Texas A&M on a national stage. And that's 
it's going to be fun. Uh, win or lose, uh, it'll be a fun trip down there. Uh, special shout out to all my patrons. Um, without you guys, I wouldn't be able to afford the plane ticket and the hotel room. Media hotel is not cheap, and they require a two-night minimum, which is not great. But uh, thankfully, I, uh, I'm able to head down there Friday morning and hopefully maybe see a game Sunday. And that's really all anyone can ask for at this point as a 10 seed. But it's been a, it's been a great uh, a great run through Madison Square Garden last week. It was a lot of fun. Anybody that was there, the garden was electric. Um, obviously, they set an attendance record. Uh, you probably saw it out there. Val Ackerman, much deserved uh, three year extension through 2021. It was announced the other day. Um, so the Big East is strong. Six teams in again. Villanova and Xavier as one seeds. First time in program history Xavier's been a one seed. So they are just uh, have been a wrecking ball since they came into this league. Uh, you think about where they were not too long ago, fighting in the A10, uh, and even and making some noise back then as a as an eight, nine, ten, eleven seed, to now being a one seed. Uh, and you know people are people are are down on them. They're saying they're the worst one seed. We'll see. I think they got some seniors over there that might uh, want to leave a little mark too. So um, I think everybody in the Big East at this time of year, we just went, you know, they had the war at Madison Square Garden. Now everybody's back rooting for each other. Providence and Creighton together in this uh, in this uh, pod in Charlotte. And uh, the Friars and Xavier could meet in the Elite Eight at the Staples Center, just saying. Um, I, might, uh, I might be able to, we'll see. I mean, I haven't looked at flights, but uh, that would be interesting. I uh, want to give a special shout-out now to some of my patrons. You can head over to patreon.com slash pcbb1917. For as little as $3 a month, you get access to our Slack community. And it's, i got to tell you, it's been a lot of fun. We talk uh, all day, every day, pretty much. Uh, sometimes during the games, uh, sometimes uh, a little recruiting talk. I mean, it's all over the place. Uh, a lot of good guys in that group. So uh, head over to patreon.com slash pcbb1917 to check it out. I'm going to give a special shout-out now to JLD, John Lee Dumas, Mike Evans, my parents, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penza, Dennis Burns, Alex Simeone, Chris Thurlow, G, Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. All right, so now uh, I've talked for, for quite a while here uh, by myself had to just kind of squeeze this one in. Everybody's been real busy this week, uh, but I wanted to get at least some kind of a podcast up uh, since you know this could be the, this could be it. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully I'll see some people down in Charlotte. So if you see me out and about in Charlotte, come say hi. Uh, I'd love to uh, chat with some people. I know uh, some of the some of the patrons that I've uh, met over the course of the season are going to be down there. So look forward to seeing everybody. Have a beer with some people Friday night, win or lose. And hopefully I'll talk to everybody next week with maybe a preview of the Sweet 16. Talk to you then. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friarcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow Mike, follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page. And as always, stay classy, Friartown.